Very familiar passage of Scripture. Very familiar when we get into it. Um, you know, it just kind of hit me from a little bit of a different angle. And that's the wonderful thing about the Word of God. It can, you know, you read it in one season of life and it'll speak to you in one way and minister to you. You could read the very same passage in a different season of life and get and garner the things that you need for that season. Uh, it's a living, breathing book that is alive. The Word of God is alive. It's not another book. It is the book. And it is God's Word. And I just, I count it a privilege to be able to read the Word of God every day and ponder its thoughts and let it minister and speak to me. Nonetheless, we're in our city series. And in our city series, the application is um, how to uh, witness, how to live, how to move and breathe and go about your life as it pertains to the city or your life ecosystem. You say, I don't live in the city. It's okay. It's not just the city. It's your life. It's, it's your city, your household, what you have going on, and how to share your faith. How many of you want to get better at sharing your faith? Yeah. How many of you think the world needs that? Yeah, they do. And that was God's plan. And I just thought, like, reading this first portion of Luke, the life of Jesus as he begins his earthly ministry, what better of a place to learn? What better of a place to garner the truths that we need than from Jesus himself and see the way he moved, the way he acted, the way he reacted to the culture in his day? Um, it, it, it's just amazing. And it's the very thing that we need uh, in this generation, whether you're of this generation or not. Right now I'm changing my brightness settings so that it doesn't auto-lock. Got them. There we go. Um, so today's message is titled Undercover Boss. And I did this logo just for today's message, continuing the city series. Uh, and if you see there highlighted, what's that word highlighted, hidden in the title of the message? What is it? Say it together. Turn to your neighbor and say no. There we go. Okay. What's fun is to watch people still talk to themselves when there's no neighbor next to them. No. <laughs> I love that. That's good. Um, but <laughs> undercover boss. Undercover boss. What does that mean? Hopefully by the end of the message, you'll understand what it means. And you'll deny it. And you'll run from it. Obviously, undercover boss. What, what comes to your mind? The TV show, right? And what's the connotation of the TV show? Come on now. It's okay. Make them think you're someone you're not. You know, there's employees that are working in this company, and the guy at the top, right, disguises himself. Undercover boss. And he goes and he works with his employees just to really get a good view, a good pulse on how his company is actually doing. And he sees how they react to him once they discover that he's their boss, right? It's a neat show. I still watch the reruns. I don't think it's in season now. But um, Undercover Boss, how many of you, God or Jesus in this context, is just your boss? He's a figurehead that tells you what to do and tells you how to live and spoils your fun. And anytime you encounter what Jesus wants you to do, you approach it that way in the sense that, yeah, boss doesn't want me to do that. 
How many of you can honestly say, just being a little introspective, looking within, you kind of approach your relationship with Jesus like that? What he tells me to do and what he tells me not to do. You can be honest. Darlene's the only one. Anybody else? Okay, yeah. I think we all, if we're honest, can, and when I read this text, there are times in my, that's what, it, that's what hit me. It's like, how many times am I doing what I'm doing in the city because it's what my boss is telling me to do? And if Jesus were there undercover, how would I react? But not even taking that idea, just the fact that he's your boss. Is that the appropriate way to view Jesus? Is that the appropriate way to view God? Or is there a better way? Is there a better way to approach our relationship with Jesus? I think I like this. They, they tend to stand when they read their first passage of Scripture. Let's all stand and let's read Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. It's on the screen. Read it with. You don't have to read it out loud. Just, just look up, watch it. If you have your Bibles, soak this text in. Very familiar story, but maybe you'll, you'll notice what I caught. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. Now, understand this, that when I'm reading scripture, this is the fear of having you stand. I have to kind of fill in the blanks here. Verse 1, it says, don't miss this. They pressed upon him to hear the word of God. That's different. When you went into the synagogue to hear a rabbi teach what another rabbi was saying about the word of God. No, the reason why they were pressing upon Jesus, the reason why they were backing him to this corner, if you will, where the lake was, was because they were going to hear the words from God. Massive, mind-blown. Lake Gennesaret, listen to this, the lake more commonly known as the Sea of Galilee. The Old Testament refers to it as the Sea of Chinnereth or Chinneroth in Joshua 12. And the Apostle John calls it the Sea of Tiberias. The name by which it was known when he wrote is a large, approximately 13 miles wide, 7 miles long, freshwater lake nearly 700 feet below sea level. That is a dominant geographical figure of the entire region of Galilee. The name Gennesaret derives from the fertile plain of that name to the northwest of the lake. The primary source of water for the Sea of Galilee is the Jordan River, which arises from several sources near Mount Hermon, 9,200 feet above sea level, and flows into the lake from the north, then enlarged Jordan River exits the southern end of the lake and flows into the Dead Sea, which has no outlet, right? So you get the picture. Jesus has gone to Capernaum, and now he's found his place here in Galilee preaching Scholarship precludes that there's about 3 million people here in this region of Galilee. About 3 million. And this lake, 13 miles wide, 7 miles deep, a fresh water. This is a big body of water. You get the picture? And the Bible says that they pressed on him to hear the word of God. In other words, he was backing up towards the lake as could be if three million were in this community and they were hearing that he was healing and doing all of those things that he'd been doing. Think about how many sick people are in a community of three million. And they're bringing them out by the droves. Heal me, heal me. Right, verse two. And he saw two ships standing by the lake. But the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. 
these fishermen happen to be the inner, what will be the inner circle, Peter, James, and John. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Was that happenstance that he got into the leader of the disciples' ship, Peter? Was that happenstance? Two boats sitting there. Jesus conveniently steps into one boat and says, Hey, buddy, can you come over here and push me out a little bit so that I can have a conversation with these millions of people? Happenstance that it was Peter's boat? Simon Peter? No. And Peter's like, who ends up being the leader of the 12 disciples, right? Verse 4. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught or for a catch. And Simon answering and said unto him, what's the next word? Say it to your neighbor. Let me help you. In the Greek, it means boss. Hey, boss, um, we've toiled all night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. Conveniently, Jesus gets in Peter's boat and says, Hey, Peter, since I'm in the boat, why don't we go fishing? But don't you remember they were standing there, Peter, James, and John were on the shoreline cleaning their nets from the work they had done what? The night before. Very popular to go out on these evening fishes. I don't know if that's how you say it. They were going out on their evening tours there trying to harvest a bunch of fish in this freshwater lake, and they had caught nothing. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, after Jesus finishes his talk, let me tell you something. This was no ordinary talk. Verse 1 says they were the words of God. Peter knew who was sitting in his boat. Peter knew that it was Jesus. Peter knew who he was. Jesus was healing people. He was doing his thing. You know what I mean? And Peter still looked at him and said, Boss, Master, that's the connotation that Peter talked to him. We've toiled all night. Verse 6. Excuse me, Bench. And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes. And their net break. And they beckoned unto their partners, James and John, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came. And they filled both ships, so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. Say the next two words. He went from being his boss To be in his what? Lord. Let that sink in. Some of you have seen Jesus do amazing things in your life. It's been incredible. The city has things that are going on, but just not in your life. He's still your boss. He's healed people, sure, but it hasn't affected me. What happens when he comes and gets in your boat? Oh, Lord. For he was astonished, and all that were with him at the draught, at the catch of the fishes which they had taken. Fishes, (laughs) plural. And so was also, and here it is, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners of Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, check this out, fear not. Fear not. 
From henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to the land, check this, they forsook all and followed him. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would meet with us. What I'm going to speak about is a weighty matter, but a needed matter. I pray if there be one here today that doesn't know you as their Savior, if they're lost, I pray you would save them gloriously. Through the power of your Holy Ghost, use my words as an instrument. Use your word as it's been used from the beginning of time. Direct my thoughts in your Son's precious and holy name. Amen. You may be seated. The first thing to note here, Luke 5, 1 is that Jesus spoke the word of God. I have to bring some context to you this morning. I have to bring some context in the sense that I've got to take you in in your mindset, in your mentality, from Jesus being your boss to Jesus being your Lord. That's my goal. I'm being very clear with my goal today. I want Jesus to go from being your boss to your Lord. And in in chapter 5, verse number 1, it said Jesus was speaking the words of who? God. Jesus spoke the word of God. Nehemiah 9, 6 and 7. Listen to this. Go to this text here. Go ahead, Jose. Thou, even thou, art Lord alone. Thou, even thou, art Lord alone. Thou hast made heaven, the heaven of heavens, with all their hosts, the earth and all the things that are therein, the seas and all that is therein. And thou preservest them all, and the hosts of heaven worship thee. Thou art the Lord, the God, who didst choose Abram, and brought us forth out of Ur of the Chaldees, and gave us him to Abraham. Church, think about this. Jesus spoke the words of God. The same words that all of heaven hangs on. I mean, I'm sure you've had a good boss in in your times past. One that you can remember, it just sticks out. That guy, he was a servant leader. Man, he just, he knew how to treat people. He knew how to motivate people to get them to do the things that they needed to do without even being told because that's who he was. He was a servant leader. It's not a bad thing to have a good boss. Peter did what he was supposed to do in that sense that he did push the ship away, master. But there's a greater truth here is that he is Lord. All of heaven hang on that. The hosts of heaven all worship him. Have you thought and and let that sink in today? Psalms 104, 24 through 31. O Lord, how manifold are thy works. In wisdom hast thou made them all. The earth is full of thy riches. So is this gray and wide sea, wherein are things creeping innumerable, both small and great beasts. There go the ships. There is that Leviathan whom thou hast made to play therein. In other words, a seafaring beast that is huge. These wait all upon thee, that thou mayest give them their meat in due season, that thou mayest uh, give us them, they gather, they openest thy hand, they are filled with good. Thou hidest thy face, they are troubled. Thou takest away their breath, they die and return to their dust. Thou sendest forth thy spirit, they are created. 
And thou renewest the face of the earth. The glory of the Lord shall endure forever. The Lord shall rejoice in His works. Son, we're missing that. Peter was missing that. The Sea of Galilee. 13 miles wide, 7 miles deep. Who, who even knows how deep that was as they were throwing their nets in and Jesus walking up knowing that every fish in there got its food from Him. Every fish in that water at that moment knew that its next meal was from the Lord of hosts. If Jesus summons the fish to get in the boat, they got in the boat, you understand? How crazy is that? And we toil and we work and we do as if, as if, like the junior high, seventh grade girl, as if, (laughs) as if we don't even realize that how marvelous are thy works. Every animal, every creature obeys. Every creature has life or death upon his word. Son, I'm just telling you. There's a difference when he goes from boss, master, to Lord. Peter's reaction in Luke chapter 5, verse 8 was not unfounded. It was not unfounded. If I read it to you, it says this, when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees. Depart from me, for I'm a sinful man. The first initial reaction when it hit him who Jesus was in his life it wasn't a reaction that is unfounded. Genesis 18.27 And Abraham answered and said, Behold now, I have taken upon me to speak unto the Lord, which I am but dust and ashes. Abraham said, When communicating with the Lord, not his boss, I am but dust and ashes. Job 42, 5-6. And we know Job went through it, right? I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth. Wherefore I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. Revelation 1.17 When John saw, and when he saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not. I am the first and the last. Look at verse 8 again in the, in the text if you have your Bibles open. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' feet saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Look at verse number 10 if you have it. What does Jesus say unto him? Fear not. Say it, church. Fear not. It makes sense that Simon reacted the way that he did. I'm sinful. Go from me. I am dust. Why are you even in my boat? Abraham, I am but dust. Job, I'm as dead. I'm a dead man. John, I fell as dead before his face and his right hand was put upon me. Fear not. I'm the beginning and the end. I just have to stop and pull up here and say, have you had that experience with the Lord? Where you truly just, I am nothing in your sight. I am as dust. I'm afraid some haven't. 
You can't come to Christ with something. You can't come to Jesus and say, I've got it figured out. Can we have this relationship? That's a boss type relationship. I have something to offer you, God. I'm really good with people. I'm fantastic. (laughs) I can make them laugh. Job, Abraham, incredible men. Job was one of the richest men in all the East, the Bible says. He had it together. And God took it all. Abraham, a businessman. Wealth beyond measure. Servants had much. And he said, I'm nothing. We've got to have that moment, church, where we realize who we are in the presence of an almighty, all-knowing, omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent God. It's really hard to get in here and, and sing, how great is our God? When you're thinking about how great you are. He's the name above all names. I got a pretty good name too. I've worked really hard. (laughs) I work about 40, 50 hours a week and I make great money. If you want to know, just ask me. I'll tell you all about it. It sounds foolish, but that's how you act. When something bad happens in life, man, what do I need to do about this? How do I need to approach this? This relationship just isn't going the way I think it should go. Peter was over there washing his nets from the night before. Scholarship precludes that these three men were good at what they did. They were successful fishermen. Good businessmen. Peter leads, he leads the disciples like a champ. Great guys. Over there just discouraged nonetheless. We fished all night. We fished all night. We did this. And nothing happened. Nothing happened, Pastor Brownlow. And Jesus, knowing millions of people without a PA system, How do I put myself in a position where these people can hear me better? Only the Lord of hosts that made heaven and earth would know at that period in time to, I'll get in the boat, push me back from the water so that the water would carry the sound and the acoustics would be greater for the multitudes to hear. Perfectly planned. Every step Jesus took was one that he meant to take. Getting into Peter's boat, knowing of Peter's discouragement, And Peter says, Master, boss, I'll do what you say. But his reaction was not unfounded. We all have to find that spot, that time in our lives, where we realize that we're nothing. Paul put it this way, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It's the gospel. The gospel is, in short, you have nothing. He has everything. You are nothing. He is everything. He gave up everything to save those that are nothing. That's Romans 5.8. But God commendeth his love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So before you think that our religious system is about the higher, 
doing for the lower and bringing them up. It is the exact opposite. The, the one who was the highest came and was brought to the lowest and worked his way up for us. He bore our sins through himself. He paid for our sin debt through himself. He was tempted in all ways as we are tempted and overcame. So before you think he's a ruler that is someone who shadows you and throws shade on you and tells you how horrible you are, it is the exact opposite. He loved you so much that he came down to you. He came to me. When I could not go to where he was, he came to me. But in order... To realize that in order to accept that, you have to understand who you are. And at that moment in time, Peter realized, oh God, go from me. I'm such a sinner. I'm not worthy to be in your presence, God. I called you boss. I called you master. I was just keeping a list. I was just doing what I thought you wanted me to do. But it's so much more than that. You love me? You died for me? No. No, I can't have that. And Jesus lays his hands on him and he says, Fear not. Fear not. What's going to heal this nation? What's going to heal the racism in our land? Everyone realizing what they are. Everyone. I know what I am. Therefore, I am better than no one. Therefore, I love everyone. We got a problem. If you don't think we got a problem, you're living under a rock. If you don't think we need that kind of healing in our nation, then then you're not paying attention. You're in your little protective cocoon, and I'll leave it there. Your head's buried in the sand. The same sand that you bought and paid for. This is my little world. It's really good. You have to need God. You have to come to that place where you realize that you are nothing. Peter, Abraham, John. Do, I, do you need more examples? Do you need more examples, church? These are the greats. The hall of faith was filled with these names. They're incredible men. Their successes far overshadow anyone in this room, just to be honest. Incredible men. Nothing. Dust. Dirt. Why are you telling me how bad I am? (laughs) Just what I want to do. Come to church and get kicked. I got kicked all week long, and I'm getting kicked now. I'm not kicking you. I'm just giving you perspective. If you get this perspective, it changes everything. Luke 5, 10 through 11, the fishermen gone pastors made the obvious and most fulfilling choice. It didn't stop there, church. The story didn't stop where they were no good. Couldn't do anything right. The story didn't stop there. The fishermen became pastors. Deuteronomy 13, 4 says, Ye shall walk after the Lord your God, watch this, and fear Him. And keep his commandments and obey his voice, and ye shall serve him and cleave unto him. Peter, James, and John spent their lives catching fish for the purpose of killing them. 
And they would in turn spend the rest of their lives catching people with the intent of saving them. Your life right now has a purpose. Your job in the city has a purpose. We all got to get up tomorrow and go to work. I got to close deals this week or Jim's going to fire me. That's the bottom line. (laughs) Done. End of story. We all have things that we have to do. But are we doing it for those things? Do you think Peter, James, and John never went fishing again? Yes or no? I think they went fishing. I think they lived. But they lived in a different way. Purpose was changed. Rearranged. I spent my whole life defining who I was, Steve. Defining my success according to how many fish I caught to kill. To make money. And now I spend the rest of my life catching men with the purpose that they may live. Undercover boss. Really, when when you strip it all away, Pastor Matt, I mean, he's my boss. I mean, Jesus just tells me what to do. and It's a great set of principles, Miss Phyllis. You know what I mean? I read the Bible. It tells me how to be nice to people. And, and, and it tells me how to act. It tells me how to love my wife and love my children. And, and I do the things that, that the Bible tells me to do, and good things happen. You're the same person who when something goes wrong and you lose a loved one or illness strikes, you never see them in the church again. Because they cannot reconcile the fact that life isn't going the way they think it should go. There was an obvious mental shift in these disciples' minds because they all died a martyr's death. Success was redefined. It was no longer the fishies that I catch. It was the people that I deliver. Son, can we get there, church? Can we go from, sure, master, we'll do whatever you want to do, to, oh, Lord. I'm not worthy. How many want the experiences Peter had in his Christian life? How many want that? you got to break the boss relationship. You have to sever that. He has to become your Lord. Is Jesus your boss or is he your God? One thing I want to draw your attention to in Luke chapter 5. I know this is weighty. Verse 10 and verse 11. Verse 11 says, And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. They forsook all and followed him. Forsook all. What does that word forsake mean in this text? Literally, one of the definitions means to divorce. It's a hard line separation. No turning back. This relationship is over. They forsook all. When their boats returned to land. Church, listen to me. Jesus had to show them greater success than they ever had in order for them to forsake the success that they were trying to achieve. Oof. Word of prophecy right there. Think about this in terms of your job. Because this is where we are as Americans. What is your goal? 
What are you trying to achieve? If Jesus is your Lord, you'll know that He holds the keys to give you all of that. If Jesus is your Lord, you know that at any moment, I can attain that. I can have that if He wants me to have that. You're at peace with that. Peter, James, and John had to experience it. Why? The Jewish people over and over in the text, the Bible says that they needed signs and wonders. So Jesus said, and here's your sign. (laughs) Remember that? Here's your sign. (laughs) Need a little comic relief. This is some deep stuff. Stay with me. Jesus said, oh, you, you toiled all night, did you? Hey, Peter, can I use your boat? Better yet, come get in it. Okay, master. Hey, push it away from the shore a little bit. Sure. And he sits there and he watches Jesus wax eloquently, speak to multitudes, heal them, work an amazing work. And then he turns and says, what about you, Peter? Peter is the man. The bro does not go out fishing and not catch something. Do you understand what I'm saying? He's the ringleader. Can we not accept that about Simon Peter? That he was the ringleader. And Jesus rubs it in. So, how'd your, uh, how'd your catch go? How'd your draw go last night? <laughs> was it a good one? Jesus knew the answer. How many fish did you catch? <laughs> I could just see it. And Peter's like boiling. (sighs) Hey, why don't you just push away from the shore a little bit? Jesus, (laughs) why don't you stick to preaching and I'll stick to fishing, okay? (laughs) I'll, I'll do what I know to do. You do. Go heal somebody. I don't need your help on how to catch a fish. You got me? And you know what? That's the problem. You've separated church with your life. You've separated church from the city. I come to church, I get what I need from church, and then I go do what I need to do. Okay, boss. Okay, Jesus. Jesus ain't got nothing to do with roofing. Jesus ain't got nothing to do with fishing. Jesus ain't got nothing to do fill in the blank with writing code or organizing a team or working third shift. He ain't got, Jesus ain't gonna touch no forklift. Jesus was in the boat. Remember Psalms? Every creature obeys his voice. And he says, Peter, throw the net. Jesus, we already cleaned them. (laughs) It's not time. It's not a good time to go fishing, Jesus. Peter, throw the net. Might as well. Seen a few weird things happen today. What's one more? Throws the net. Oh, James and John, he went into boss mode immediately. Get that boat over here. This is crazy. Look at all the fish. Amazing. Peter was geeking. That's like you going immediately to boss, CEO. God gave you everything that you ever wanted in your job right then and there. And then, boom, it hit him. Oh, I'm so excited about all these fish that I'm going to kill. He can give me life forevermore. Is he your boss or is he your God? One thing off of my outline here that I, I need you to understand. Forsaking all is divorcing. 
Divorcing your thinking. Divorcing what is holding you back. And they followed him. What does it mean to follow him? In the Greek text, it means to take a side. Kind of like a political party. Following him. They sided with him. They were on his team. If he is your God, then you are on his side no matter what. Here's a statement that I really like. Culture eats strategy for breakfast. Culture eats strategy for breakfast. Find that in the text right there. They forsook all and followed him. They joined his team. Think about this. Can you imagine how much better your business would be if you follow Jesus in it instead of trying to run it yourself? Can you imagine how much better your marriage would be if you followed him in it instead of trying to run it yourself? Fill in the blank. Can you imagine how much better your relationships would be? Can you imagine how much better your children would be if you followed him in it instead of trying to run it yourself? What do I mean by culture eats strategy for breakfast? A team that does what they do for each other is so much better than a team that does what they do to reach a goal. Because once that goal is reached, end of story done, what's the next goal? But if you have Christians that are following Jesus, you're doing what you're doing for Him And he calls the shots. And he takes you through life. And you can genuinely say, I cast all my anxiety, all my care upon him because he cares for me. Mm. They forsook all. And they followed him. This is so weighty. It's so difficult. I just wish that, I wish you could see it from Peter, James, and John's perspective. I wish that in the city, you all could submit your businesses. Abraham, mad successful. Job, mad successful. Peter, James, and John, successful. And they submitted it to Jesus. Forsook it. What are you talking about, Pastor Matt? I mean, it's just, you just want me to walk away from it? No. I want you to let go of it and let him work it. Let he which hath begun a good work in you, he will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ, Paul said. If you can't follow Jesus in it, then you need to forsake it. Church, if you can't follow Jesus in it, then you need to forsake it. But if it's something that you can follow him in, take his side and follow him. What do you mean in my relationships, in my marriage? Well, well, it makes sense that the Bible says that the husband of one wife. I mean, how are you going to follow Jesus in your affair? I mean, that's, that's kind of hard to do. Man, Jesus, be glorified in, in this horrible relationship that I'm having. Leave it, leave it to us, spoiled, rotten Americans, to define us following Jesus by our sinful nature. Why isn't he working in my business? Is it a business that he can work in? 
is that something that glorifies him? If it's not, then get out of it. Forsake it. It's so small, the changes that we need to make. And all of you know the changes that you need to make. But the trouble is, is the devil has given you just enough success in your marriage that you think you can do it on your own. He's got you fooled. He's using the physical part or the happiness or the joy part that he just, he, he's give, he gives you pleasure and sin for a season. And then you mistake that for God giving you success. If you can't follow him in it, then you need to forsake it. Do I need to explain that? Or do we just all know immediately what the Holy Spirit's telling us to change? Man, that was a great inspirational message, Pastor Matt. I just, I got so much out of it, and I'm going to let the Lord work in my life, and, and, and we're going places. And then Monday, when you go to that same place you've been in, and the Holy Ghost says, I ain't touching that with a 10-foot pole. Now, wait a minute. Pastor Matt said that if I just take your side, Jesus, that you're going to make me successful. That's not what I said. I said, if you can't follow him in it, then you need to forsake it. The difference was, is Peter, James, and John, watch this, knew they had another calling. There was nothing wrong with being a fisherman. Watch that. Now, I'm turning a corner here. Not just the fact that what they were doing was wrong, but it wasn't the thing that Jesus wanted them to be doing. All right, now the whole sin thing is over with, right? If you got sin in your life, get it out, or God's not going to bless you. You got that. Now, the next step is, are you doing what God wants you to do? Because doing a good thing that's not the best thing that he wants for you is just as bad as doing the wrong thing. They forsook all and followed him. God has been on you to do X, Y, and Z, to volunteer, to help in the church, to take your daughter out for a daddy-daughter date, to take your wife out on a date, and you just refuse to submit in those areas. Forsake all. Follow him. Do you understand how many ways this applies? It's crazy. Because it's going from him being your boss to him being your Lord. How many want a boss today? Another one. How many of you want a Lord? 